When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time to discuss the real trade value for wide receiver Julio Jones. Welcome in, Tennessee Power Hour, Outkick 360 with Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Uh, the Titans in the mix. We, we, we know that much for, for Atlanta Falcons star wideout Julio Jones. The question is, in the mix at what price uh, for the 32-year-old wide receiver? Uh, practically every team at this point has been mentioned uh, except the Dallas Cowboys, who seem to have the wide receiver spot on, on lockdown uh, with, with what they have drafted and acquired over the last several seasons. Um, guys, I, there, there's so many various reports over the weekend, from Pro Football Talk to Josina Anderson this morning and, and everyone in between, on what has been offered, what has not been offered. Charles Robinson put out this morning in response to Josina Anderson's tweet that she's hearing from league sources that it could be uh, you know a, a top flight type trade with uh, a top draft pick included charles robinson said he's heard of first and players involved uh, others have said it's a second round pick that many around the league i think it was pro football talk in florio that said this many around the league ultimately believe and just a straw poll that the Titans are going to end up with Julio Jones for a second round pick. Now he doesn't say when, and he doesn't say the Titans have offered a second round pick. He just says, Florio does, that the expectation around league circles is that it will be a second round pick and he's going to end up in Nashville. Nonetheless, uh, the, the question remains, how much are the Falcons willing to, to give Julio Jones up for in exchange for not trading the star wide out? And there, there are other reports, Paul, that say they can't sign their current rookie class without without mm-hmm. trading him. But they could also, uh, and I don't know why it keeps getting lost, extend Grady Jarrett or redo Grady Jarrett's deal and find themselves some money. Maybe they wind up doing both. Uh, I do believe, and I think most people do, that, that I mean, it would be a hell of an offense to see Calvin Ridley, yeah. uh, Julio Jones, and Kyle Pitts all on the field for, for Matt Ryan, and that would give them the best chance of winning this year. thing is that, you know, and I, like you guys, have read a ton of stuff. Julio Jones wasn't happy with this last contract. Uh, didn't come out feeling like a win-win. Came out feeling like a lose-lose. The team wasn't happy. He wasn't happy. There have been bad feelings from him since then. I think it was two years ago, and he's kind of wandered out since then. I do think, and I've read one or two places, that this initial report that there was a first-rounder on the table from Diana Rossini maybe didn't have the full picture and that a first-rounder was on the table, but something back from the, from the Falcons was also on the table. And if you're getting a first-rounder but you're giving back a second or a third-rounder, that's not as valuable as getting a second-rounder and not giving anything back. So the, the total value there while you might be getting a first rounder, is not as good as just getting a second rounder. I wonder if that might be in play. Um, but the thing that I found most interesting that I've read uh, this weekend is about what people have gotten in return um, 
gotten in return for first-rounders in deals recently. And Albert Breer went and looked. Since April of 2018, 11 non-quarterbacks have been involved in deals for first-round picks or more. Brandon Cooks from the Patriots to the Rams. Khalil Mack from Oakland to Chicago. Amari Cooper from Oakland to Dallas. Odell Beckham from the Giants to the Browns. Frank Clark from Seattle to Kansas City. Laramie Tunsil from Miami to Houston. Minka Fitzpatrick from Miami to Pittsburgh. Jalen Ramsey from Jacksonville to the Rams. DeForest Buckner from Indy to, from the 49ers to, to Indy. Indy. Sorry. Stephon Diggs from Minnesota to Buffalo. Jamal Adams from Seattle, uh, from the Jets to Seattle. One guy was 22. Four guys were 24, two guys were 25, three guys were 26, and one guy was 27. Julio Jones is five years older than the oldest guy on that list. So this is not a statement about the Titans. It's a statement about the league that nobody since April of 2018, it's not a quarterback, has brought a first-round pick in return that's not five, at least five years younger than Julio Jones. And we know the league is about youth first, yes. first and foremost. And so if Julio Jones brings a first rounder in return, it will be very much an outlier of a deal. Now, I would say the only guy on this list, and I, I would expect you guys would agree, who is comparable talent-wise is probably Jalen Ramsey. To, to Julio Jones career-wise. But they also have a lot of career in front of them, a lot of these guys, as much as five years more of career to catch up to Julio Jones. But that's an interesting value comparison based on, uh, to what's happened in the league over the last five years. Well, I think it was Peter King's column that said he spoke to a, an NFL executive and said if the Rossini report was true, they would have made that deal, that that would be the deal if it was a first-round pick. And they, they don't necessarily buy it. And think it'll be a, a second. No, round. And deals get it's made the, in advance of deadlines. They're waiting on June first, though. Yeah, right, he said but they, they get made he said in they advance will, of the deadline. Like uh, I, I should expect. rephrase. They will make that deal. Okay. Said if that was the case, that's the deal that will be or made. Or they could have made will it be a contingent on June first, right. the way they Alex would go Smith ahead and agree was dealt. Sure. You know, before the start of um, the new league year. I mean, it, it's only because of his age and and like and health. Yeah, but I mean, even. In a year where he wasn't totally healthy and missed games, he was still one of the top receivers in the league mm -hmm. by yardage. I mean, it's incredible how productive the guy is. Um, so it's, it's definitely only because of age. And again, if they can get him for a second-round pick, they being any NFL team, especially one that feels like they're in a window to go win a Super Bowl, great. That's a great move. There's also, Paul, I saw this floating around on Twitter. It's very easy for the Titans to do one thing from a contract standpoint, to make it work from a cap standpoint, correct? Because yeah. there seems to be people who are confused by Tannehill. this. Tannehill gets them the $15 million that they need to take on Jones's deal as it stands, and also Jones's deal. There's a lot of speculation that it, it'll be extended, reshaped, whatever, as part of, of the trade. Also, you know, there's been speculation from the beginning that it's not that easy to trade Julio Jones at 32 right at this stage. You're waiting for the June 1st because it helps you cap-wise. Well, not a lot of teams can take on that cap charge. And that, that the, 
the Titans or any team taking him on would as part of the deal, especially if you're getting the high-value return, ask Atlanta to take on at least some of the money. Now, if you're getting less in return, you know, there's a sliding scale here. Of course, yeah. If, you get, if you're getting the first, you're definitely taking all of the money. If you're getting a second, you're probably taking on all the money. If you're getting less, then the Falcons are taking some of the money. Um, so the sliding scale there. The Falcons could take some, but they're, they're dying to unload all of them. I, I can't help but just think about what, what he would mean as far as impact to this specific offense here in Nashville. And if you're worried about the soft tissue injuries and the hammies, and the, I think he's got some feet Ankle problems, feet, yeah, yeah. Th- that's got to check out. Don't get me wrong, and and that that would be a concern of any team. But he missed seven games in 2020 and produced at a very high level whenever he was playing. His last 16 games, 1,500 yards receiving, give or take a few, and 100 catches. Very productive. in his last 16. So. I, the Falcons aren't trading him because he's old and washed up. And I don't think they're trying to trade him because it's a year before the year when they think he's going to be washed up. Um, this is a cap move where they have the worst, second to worst uh, cap space currently in the NFL. The, the Titans, though, have the seventh worst cap space as of June 1st in the NFL. Uh, so... So they're in better shape next year and the year after. Yes, yes. They're hurting Atlanta even then. Ryan's number next year, I think, is monstrous. I I understand where the Falcons are coming from on the value of Julio Jones when I lay out the numbers that we just went through. And you also put into perspective that the Falcons traded. Now, this is what the Falcons gave up. They traded a second and a fifth for Hayden Hurst in return. Um someone traded a second-round pick in exchange for Mohamed Sanu. A couple years back now. So when, a bad trade. when you think of the give and take on certain personnel moves within their organization, and then you mention Julio Jones's name into that, I understand why they're putting out a certain price tag with the veterans' value. Atlanta won the Sanu trade. Now, oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Against the now, Patriots. They can't expect to win every trade to that degree. Back to my original point. If you're telling me, and, and hindsight's always twenty twenty, but if we're looking at, okay, this is a veteran that you're going to trade for that's likely going to miss a game or two and miss a lot of practices. Guys are barely practicing anyway. But with the 17th game, if you're saying he's going to be healthy and productive, and now let's just say healthy because we know he's productive if he's playing, 13 of the 17 regular season games plus the postseason, you make the trade. The I mean, plus the that, postseason that is, is the hard part because you can't say when the injury is. So if the injury is at the well, end, but but you're the postseason, the postseason, I should also put this in. You're making this trade with a true expectation of going to the postseason. Yeah. Right. So it's not like oh, let's make the trade and he's going to be healthy for the and then postseason's a bonus. No, I, don't don't get it twisted with what I'm trying to insinuate. No, I'm not there. saying that way. I'm saying though, if the injury is at the end of the season, which it seems oh, like it's yeah. most likely to yeah, yeah, be. Yeah. You know, you can't say, I'll give up three games in the middle of the season. I'd give I up three games in the middle of the yeah. season. They're most likely to be, though, 17, 16, 15. And then, you know. Well, yeah, or or something happens where he, he misses, like, the quarter three of the season and you give him extra time to, to recover so he's for sure back for a playoff push and the postseason. Um, I guess my overall line of thinking, though, is 
if he's good in the regular season for you, and if you believe that the, the injury situation is where you're pretty much banking on the fact he's good for three quarters of the season, I still make the deal. That's how valuable he is for this offense right now. And where are all those people uh, a month or two ago when we started this show? They're like, oh, uh, Nick, Nick Westbrook Aquino is a number two wideout for this team. Give me a break. <laughs> Give me a break. Those t people are still climbing the ladder, shouting from the rooftops about what Julio Jones would be for this offense. The, this, they have not done enough. Now, and it's not, by, it's not because it's completely their fault. They have not done enough pri primarily because of the cap space and the issues that they have to adequate, adequately replace Jonu Smith and Corey Davis. Oh, it's Period. their fault. They didn't need Monty Rice. Well, There's no strain for Monty Rice. But if Monty, round. but Monty Rice, like, would we? Maybe we would. Would a third-round wide receiver ease all burden of what they what they're losing offensively? Like, I, they're, they're still like we would, we would be having the same questions about Fitzpat about the third-round wide receiver that we're having about Fitzpatrick. I think a little less. But you're 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 well, relying I'll, on I'll him to be a to number. A, well, let's change to a second-round pick. Well. If they don't get Raidens and they well, go for then, a wide receiver in the second round, they also drafted A.J. Yeah. Brown in the well, second round. I agree. And, and, then, and then you're on to something because then you're expecting that guy to be a number two level yes. quality. on opening day. Fitzpatrick yep. is a number three. At best. At, what, right. And first year, he's probably a number four. And, and, and as you start to look around what they have other than A.J. Brown, they have a lot of number three wide receivers yes. at best. They have not replaced tight end, and that, that's another discussion. Um, but – by making this move, you correct a lot of issues by bringing in one veteran yeah, player. Yeah, if you have Julio Jones, you're kind of off the hook for the tight end, I think. Yeah. Right. I mean, you can make do. Um, and Healthy. And it, it's not the it, – the injury concerns to me, if you are able as a media member uh, – let, let's just – the fans are able to talk themselves into anything. It, as a media member locally – if you were talking yourself into Jadavian Clowney a year, a year ago, and let me say, I was I was on board with that. If you were talking yourself into Jadavian Clowney with the injury history that dude had, and you're pointing to the injury history of Julio Jones as a reason not to make the trade, you're talking out of both ends right now. Like I, I don't understand that argument for the vast majority of local media here in Nashville that wanted Jadavian Clowney at all costs that said he was a difference maker that was going to put them over the top. But you're talking yourself out of Julio Jones for this offense for the same reasons? No sense. Makes no sense. And, and if you're not on, if you're talking about Nick Westbrook-Akina a month and a half ago, I expect you to keep banging that drum because we're holding you accountable for that. It, it was ridiculous then. It's ridiculous now. And it's, that's the reason why you've got to have the Julio Jones aspect of this because it puts you in, it puts you back where you left off last year offensively, uh, if not above and beyond. Like it, Corey Davis, like it or not, I think we should preface preface this by saying this is a tool. It's not the end all, be all grade system. Pro Football Focus had Corey Davis as a top ten wideout last year. He's no longer here. And Corey Davis, to his credit, performed very well in a contract year. And it did not have Josh Reynolds as a top 10 wideout last year. A.J. Brown, number two wideout, according to Pro Football Focus. So you have, according to PFF, which is the statistical Bible of the league, they had two top, top 10 wideouts on their roster. And now they have Batson, 
Reynolds <laughs> and uh, Westbrook Akeem. And I, I'm not here crapping all over their wide receiving core, but I'm being real about it. They have A.J. Brown and a lot of number three wideouts. At best. No, obviously, Julio Jones, I, I mean, I think the only argument you could use against him, and again, I'm totally in favor of them getting him. I'm reluctant about the first-round pick. And I don't, think that anybody, I don't think anybody's giving up a first-round pick for him. So I think the Titans will be right in the thick of that. But Julio Jones changes the dynamic on a lot of things, and the number one thing, and we've talked about it, is A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown right now is covered like he's never been covered before. Because there's not a second receiver on this team that dictates any sort of respect. Any sort of respect. You can put your top two cornerbacks on A.J. Brown and your third cornerback on Josh Reynolds yes. for the time being until Josh Reynolds proves something to you and hurts you. And I think that could be some time. until. Now, you're not going to do that, but you're going to dedicate a lot of coverage to A.J. Brown as the Titans stand right now. Who's the second most scary guy on the Titans offense pass receiving? You don't even know. You're not even... Concern. You're not using a red marker to, to circle that guy on the X's and O's that you're writing on a card or on a board. If Julio Jones is there, obviously you're concerned with two people. And somebody's getting some sort of favorable coverage. And the third guy is getting massively favorable coverage. So if Cam Batson's running a jet sweep or, or doing something out of the slot or Josh Reynolds is doing anything where you deemed him at some point a number two, but certainly now a number three, he's going to be in very favorable position to yes. do what he can do. And you're going to get the maximum out of your Josh Reynolds investment because you make a Julio Jones investment. So he just changes the dynamics of everything. I'm a lot less concerned with you telegraphing run or pass with Ferks or Swain because I, I, I don't care if you're telegraphing pass if you've got A.J. Brown and Julio Jones on the field well, as your up. primary pass It targets. doesn't matter. The telegraphing. And we, we, we don't care if you're telegraphing Derrick Henry because he's Derrick Henry. Right. That's, that's the point. How, how many times did the Titans telegraph run? And it doesn't matter because they have right. Derrick Henry. Stop it. It's what you tell the right. team. Plus so, your line has Taylor Lewan back, and hopefully yeah. he's given you 16 games. So uh, Right. So... Uh, Putting Julio Jones into this offense, change, and uh, think about what it does for the new coordinator, right? And and uh, Tannehill coming back, and and just the the whole dynamic and the wrinkles that you can add in on and layer to what where they left off a year ago. It also takes pressure off the defense because right now you're looking for you know the offense was here and the defense was here, and you're saying bring it bring it here. But now you could say, well, the offense is going to stay up here, and the defense, we're expecting you to come up and make us a more well-rounded football team, and we could be really good here. But we're not looking for you to offset this, which is a lot of pressure, well, even though a lot of those new defenders were not here for the fiasco. So they're more removed from that than we let's, say. Let's go to that sliding scale, though, okay, of, of defense to offense and improvements and uh, subtractions and additions from this offseason. Here's why I think the Titans are more desperate than people think for, for Julio Jones. Um, d defensively, Caleb Farley, if healthy, mm -hmm. a, a big addition, a starter at corner. Bud Dupree, big addition. Outside of that, who changes the complexion of that defense and what they're going to be? I would argue no one uh, based on offseason additions. So the deep, but, but even with that and who they lost, I think defense will be slightly better. They're not going to be a lot better. But when you take away Corey Davis and Jonu Smith 
and everything else that's happened, well, something's not lining up here. Because that offense is quite a bit worse right now. Who's their option at tight end? I mean, who's the threat now that John O. Smith is not here? It's not only you don't have a second receiver because you waited so long in the draft and didn't sign anyone. You don't have – you've got Anthony Ferkser, who is a nice role player and can play his role. His role is not constant, consistent threat in the passing game as a tight end. He's not. Jeff Swain isn't a threat at all in the passing game. He is a, an extra an offensive lineman, essentially. So I, I think that the Titans yeah. are in a much more desperate spot that if Julio Jones falls in your lap because of a cap casualty, you got to go for it. And that's why I think they got to, if it's a first-round pick, I hope it's not. I hope you're right, Paul, and it's going to be a second-round pick. A lot of writers speculating it's going to be a second-round pick. Titans absolutely need to make that move. I, I'm surprised you're not expecting more out of a defense that has six new guys in the top 12. Well, I'm saying real difference maker. I think Caleb Farley, if healthy, could be a real oh, yeah, difference maker. I, I, I don't uh, think they have a Dupree. singular uh, – Dupree should be a singular yes. difference maker. But that amount of turnover should take the third down defense from horrific to average. And horrific to average they also gets lost you best from corner. 29th to 15th, and all they need to be is 15th if the offense can be anything right. close to what now, it was you, last year. They also lost their best corner from a year ago, so you have to factor that in. So that's one you had to replace. Um, but Butler to Denoris Jenkins isn't, it shouldn't be monumental. Here's the point. We're going back to the visualization of the scale. If that offense is going to be uh, what I think right now is, is considerably worse than a year ago. Where do you take it, from 3rd to 10th? Yeah, I mean, 12? I think it's I think it's borderline top ten into the teens. This is minus Julian, right? right. Julian. Then to me, the defense has to be quite a bit better. Right now, I think the defense is better. I think it's a little bit better, but I think of what Julio Jones does for you is, it's the same. I mean, that's that's how much credit I give him and his production. He's better than Corey Davis. He could help offset the loss of John U. Smith in the passing game. I, again, I, I just see that as a move that now with the defense being better, and I agree with you, Paul, they're going to be a little bit better. It's a Super Bowl caliber team. Last year's team was a Super. If you win your division, I picked last you're a year's Super team Bowl to caliber the, team. To go to the Super Bowl. But I, I think that this makes this makes them better. The defense is going to be better than a year ago. I'm confident in that. The loss of Arthur Smith is one that we don't know that, yet. That's a big one. But bringing Julio Jones, the team is is better. Yes. Is better than a team that could have won the Super Bowl a year, a year ago. Well, the, the makeup right now at receiver is just not good enough. It's not, it's, it's not it's good enough. It's a lot enough. of hope in the equation at right. receiver. Right. Too much hope. Coming up, we get into some other headlines from across the great state of Tennessee. We'll talk more Titans. And uh, we'll give some final wrap-up thoughts. Not final thoughts. Wrap-up thoughts on the Pred season uh, that came to conclusion last Thursday night. And uh, Paul gives his thoughts on the Game 6 loss, uh, plus much more. You can chime in on the chat, on the YouTube chat. Uh, search us out there, OutKick360. Hang with us. OutKick360 rolls on across the OutKick network. Pred season is complete. Uh, I was thinking about this over the weekend, like what... You know, it's just kind of uh, they enter this dead period now where 
we go from talking hockey in Nashville to not not even paying attention to hockey I, in Nashville. Are the Hurricanes still playing? <laughs> Down I thought that. about this over the weekend. Uh, they started their series. Yeah, I didn't even know. I'm like, maybe I should check one. in on that Hurricanes team lost that I one. just watched so much of for the past uh, six games. And then I'm thinking, I mean, we know by name. I think we might know a touch about it because of betting. And then when the final comes Did Ajo up, score? <laughs> yeah. when the final comes up, I'll I'll pay a little attention. Well, my player Stanley performance double didn't pay off this week. It was. Uh, I know you guys had a chance to talk about it on uh, on Friday when when I was out and we were all in the building though we didn't see each other. Uh, I did find the Rotiers burger. Oh, you did. I really enjoyed it. it was close to my uh, section. Not was quite it the close same, to the actual? But close. Okay. Not, clo- not right. the same, but close enough. All and right. the smell was dead on. Yeah. So I'm skeptical. I was like, you could you could um, find it. I'm like, very I'm very skeptical I was like, of it being authentic. <laughs> it was authentic enough. Um, once they were up. What was it three two? Three one. Three. Well, once they once it was three two, I felt like they were just like, all right, we're going to hold on to this, or that was their strategy. We're just going to hunker down and we're going to play for three two win here. Keep and away hockey. We'll either win three two or we'll be in overtime taking our chances again. And that you can't win doing that. They can't win doing that. We've we've seen them with a one goal lead in that series, and one goal leads in that series. We're not going to hold up for 14 minutes of play or however long they needed it to hold up. And it was inevitable. And I wish one of you was sitting next to me so I could say that because I didn't want to say it to the 11-year-old I was with because he had his hopes up that they would A, score again, or B, hold on. The odds of them scoring again were zero. They they had no assertive feel to them whatsoever about uh going and doing anything and it just felt to I'm me like a 14 minute wait 16 minute wait whatever for the inevitable i feel and then i feel over time i just you different know. I, I i agree like it was what do you think about the overtime goal i didn't have a great angle deflection. on it and until i got home and they don't bother showing it yeah of course board, not which is ridiculous uh, yeah, they're more worried about, you know, let's give a standing ovation to this team. Yeah. Great you year. Know, I, you know. I want to see a replay. second straight year, your about. first round exit, Nashville Predators. You know how I feel about the quick pivot from losing the game to, I love you guys, that was a great season, there which was, is all what all the people around me were saying. There was just a Be pissed off of, for five minutes. There was just a very small smattering of applause. All around me, It was a was very a shocking ending. It, yeah, it was so more quick, of a... It's kind of a I guess. No, around yeah. me, that was a lot of love when they skated. Yeah. Well, with part of it, I, I, the part of it was just being back in the building and in the atmosphere, and and being glad that you know live sports and entertainment is back. At I need a longer pause. Uh, I'm, it, there was a, it was. I, I compared it to someone breaking a window, and I, of course, I've never been on a plane like this. Thank God, someone breaking a window in like a Southwest flight, and all the air just being sucked out. Right, like that's the way that goal felt at the Stone last Thursday night. Um, I I I felt differently about the the finish compared to what we saw in the bubble, though, uh, with the the effort from the team. Where well, I think they played well, certain they, they did a going. good job. But, but I also but, but, but don't think. On. But I, I think there there some questions still remain, though. Oh yeah, you can't say they're uh, fine because they no, played not fine. a competitive no. series with that team. But they, I think they, they got the most well out of them. out of what yeah. they have. But now you need to go assess. Like you're still 
there's still a pretty decent margin there with you and them. And I fear that they'll go into the offseason saying, you know what, we weren't that far away from Carolina in a playoff series. And, you know, we play a little better. They play a little worse. We make a few changes. We'll be right there. I think it's bigger than that. I, I agree with you. Um, I just it, I think it's uh, this run that they're on makes it more difficult to pinpoint how many moves need to be made. Um, you need to be deeper. There, there have to be some tough decisions this offseason. And I'm not talking about, you know, uh, veterans or the, the expansion draft or anything like that with the Kraken, you know. <laughs> I'm thinking more of like used to. some fan favorites need to be considered for trade options um, based on return, player-for-player player swaps, um, just to shake up some things and get some – some fresh blood into that locker room. I mean, I, I there's think, some I think tough can, questions. Does Duchesne, has Duchesne rehabilitated, him, rehabilitated no. himself with what he did in that series because no. he finally came to life? Or does his overall body of work swallow that up? I think we've got a consensus. His overall body of work swallows that up. I, Where the hell has that been? I, I agree. I agree. I, I just don't, unless Seattle claims a contract like that. I don't know who's trading for a player with a contract. So They're going to take a contract or two like that. Yeah, the most tradable contract is Ryan Ellis. Well, Joe, and I, I, I have been banging this drum for the last several seasons. He's the most tradable asset that they have other than Arvidsson. Or do you leave him exposed? I think Johansson and Duchesne are the two most likely candidates, one of them, to be taken by Seattle in the expansion draft. If you're trying to dump I would rather one, of those salar- one of those contracts, it's probably one of those two guys. Uh, that could be on the move. Paul, I talked about this on Friday, but it felt like throughout this series, I think about the two Preds wins. They get it to overtime. It took them deep into the second yeah. period, both of them to finally break through and score a goal. And then in the two overtime wins for, the, for Carolina, boom, immediately. They had a level they could go to from a speed standpoint and talent standpoint that they could turn it on and make something happen that the Preds simply couldn't. They had to outlast. Carolina could strike. The Preds seemingly had to outlast. So you have to do something. If your goal is to win the Stanley Cup, you got to do something to be one of those teams that can strike, that can turn it on, that can beat anyone because you turned it on and you made things happen. And, and they played the series very well. I, I thought you could just take a snapshot and say, man, it was dead even with a team that might win it all. Very talented team. Pretty dead even series. And it was for six games. Pretty dead even series. We're right there. But you got to look at the totality of it and see the first half of the season. That Yes, they go on that great run. Yes, they played a good series against Carolina. But also factor in what I just said. Carolina is a team that could turn it on and win quickly. And the Preds simply aren't that there, team. There was I fear a... that there's some inherent level of satisfaction in their no. fabric. In the, te- in the team fabric. Well, the way they turned the it around. Management they, there, there should be an excitement level on how the team turned it around. Um, I don't know if they played. I don't know if the team rallied and played for John Hines. Don't know. Have no clue how the team views John Hines. Um, but you know, we're comparing this franchise now to Stanley Cup contenders. This team was not winning the cup if they advance. I mean, it, Chad just brought up the reasons why. There was a certain style and grind it out type victory that they had to have night in, night out. I don't think you can sustain that. And I think watching that style of play against the top teams in the league underscores what they're lacking. Like I said, the Lightning just won in Carolina game one. But I guess my, my thought is how long could that style of play hold up? 
Is that going to win? How many series is that going to win you? If you go and win oh, against Carolina, and, and that's with me saying that Saros is playing excellent. What, what's realistic with that style yeah, of play? Yeah, you might win another one. You're yeah, you could get to maybe a halfway. conference final, but you're not. I, you know, the difference, you're the, not, the you're main not difference between Carolina and Nashville is Carolina can go win a game five to two. They did that in game one. Nashville's not winning a game five to two in a series. Yeah, they're not pulling away. No, no. Everything's white. At any knuckle. point, everything's white. Knuckle. Everything. And I, I just don't. You're, you're walking a tightrope. And if you're playing everything white knuckle, it's it's a different kind of tired too. I, it's a different kind of stress and exhaustion yeah. over the course of a It also doesn't long, take a hockey aficionado to watch those two teams and see, see the difference better. in speed. Oh. The difference in speed and how puck possession played into it. When it was 3-2 in the third, I didn't think the Preds were ever going to get it out of their own zone at one point. And the amount, the, the, the speed that Carolina showed and the ability to possess and to get good shots over and over and over again until eventually they broke through, it's impressive to watch, but it's also... This realization that, man, the Preds just aren't there, that, that they can allow that to happen to them. And seemingly they were pretty helpless against it other than flailing around the net and hoping to clear it at some point because Carolina was just that much better. You take a bad penalty and you have a bad icing, yep. things that you – the margin for error on stuff like that is just not there for them in a game like that, in a series like that. Uh, plenty of questions uh, that we will be asking this offseason. Um you know, the, in, in plenty of thoughts that we have for the general manager David Poyle, for head coach John Hines, and more um, as the offseason begins for the Nashville Predators. And uh, look, it was great. Uh, Paul, Chad, and I chatted about the atmosphere. What was it like from your vantage point, just being back, taking in that crowd, and, and knowing that, uh, you know, we've got more of this on the horizon again? I, I know people are going to hate this. I know people are going to hate this. <laughs> I mean, I got a guy on my left that 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 uh, is it can't stay in his area. <laughs> I, I got a woman behind me who's shrill as is humanly possible. I mean, she took a great picture of Simon and I. I I thought at least ten times during the game this would be so much better at home. I I like going. I like taking my son. I like being out once in a while. A hockey game is better experience for me at home. <laughs> this is a contrarian opinion if I've ever heard one. Yeah. The only thing you ever hear about hockey is you got to see it live. So much better live, and I'll, I'll agree with that. Well, this is going Paul to a Preds he, game as opposed to watching on TV. I think not even to, close. It's so much better. I, 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 think I also I had a good seat. Paul's not taking this through. But the good seat that I have eliminates me from seeing the puck. Paul's not taking this on, through on a quarter of the ice that's closest to me. This is because it's blocked out by the people in front of me. Paul, this is where you say. I, I, I'll go to a game. I just need to be in a suite. You don't say that. Well, oh, I'd love to be in a suite. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Mr. Barker. <laughs> That's where you throw that in. No, look, and I love the experience with Simon, who's dancing to the music, and we're talking, yeah. and, and it's a great bonding experience. And he says, we ought to come to games more. And I said, well, we haven't been to games in the last you know, 14 months because there haven't been games to go to. And the sounds are back home, and we love going to baseball games, and, and we'll go, and we'll be on trips, and we'll go to games where we are. And I would hesitate to take him. But I can't stand the guy next to me who's got no sense of his personal space, and I can't stand the woman over my shoulder who's got no sense that I'm going deaf because of her. <laughs> and, this, and, and I don't want to I, willingly 
put myself in that situation that often. I, I, so the, the lockdown, the pandemic, and uh, being socially isolated, for so many people got people thinking, man, I really want to get back out and experience people and have a sense of community and be around people. But for people like Paul, I feel like it just made this, boy, I really... <laughs> hate getting around actual other people that annoy me now. I just want to go back home. Well, like if I'm around, if we went be, the, be, uh, yeah, if we went the five of us, yeah. you know, and I'm around more of my people, it's a different story. But, but I'm just that, me and my boy. The, the mentality, though, is for a lot of people, it's, boy, it was great being in the arena. I can stomach the guy who's all up in my space or the woman behind me that's shrill. For you, it's... Man, I really thought I wanted to get out, but that guy was really annoying. <laughs> I'd rather go back home. And there's a lot of people like that. I'm just saying you fall in that category. This guy stands kind of sideways the whole game, and I'm to the right of the rink. So everything that goes on to the left, I'm looking at his back. It's I better than wanna, a cowboy hat in front of Reed. Yeah. Well, like, I hate the cowboy hat. I hate this guy's back. Coming up. I'm we, grateful for the tickets. We hate our current parlay run that we're on oh my god so we've called in the secret weapon to, to help us with this through fan <laughs> went to the pen that's right we're going to the pen uh i'm up on the parlay picks and we'll explain our 360 parlay for tonight and why it's going to be a winner that's next on outkick 360 changes everything outkick 360 is back and it is time for the daily parlay from fanduel sportsbook you can check out fanduel fanduel.com slash ok360 fanduel.com slash ok360 you can place up to a thousand dollar risk-free bet for first-time users uh, we're trying to win you some money we're trying to win some money uh, you can do it as a first-time user risk-free if you strike out in your first bet tonight this afternoon you can get up to $1,000 back in site credit. FanDuel.com slash OK360 for new users. We're giving you a $5 bet for the 360 parlay today. And we mentioned trying something different, just to switch things up, trying to get back on a winning streak here. We nearly did that with a five-team parlay that Chad had going into the long weekend. I hit on three of the five, but the fourth was postponed. <laughs> So the fourth didn't happen. but well, We still could have won it if, the, if we won the fifth. So but it's on me for the 360 parlay today. And I'm going to turn to Megan from FanDuel. Megan. Megan Hello, making Megan. money on Twitter. Megan making money on Twitter. She is a content producer. She makes bets for FanDuel at FD Sportsbook. Uh, and there's the link at the bottom of the screen to join us. Here is the two-team parlay. She's on board with this. I'll kick 360s on board with this tonight. $5 wager plus 286 on the odds. You're going to win 1429 tonight. Take the raise money line. And then we are taking the first half run line. So the first five innings, we are betting that the Cardinals are going to score a run uh, against David Price and the LA Dodgers. Cardinals on the road. We're like taking no the brainer. first half run line for the St. Louis Cardinals tonight. Now, this is a late game, Paul. I apologize for this. That's I didn't do this for my own oh, well-being I here. I, I, I went to bed at 2 o'clock in the morning last night. Button will be watching. I mean, it's a, what, 9-15 first pitch local time, which time. means hey, we, we could we could win this bet by 9-17. Cardinals are going to bat first. That's true. So That's right. let, let's let's get it going. Look, um, the Yankees don't score runs. They they just they, they decided it's out of fashion. So you like the Rays bet? Don't. Oh God, the Yankees! They won six in a row. They went to Detroit, got swept by a bad team. The Rays own them. 
Um, so I, 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 this it's, is a good bet. Well, the so one run in the first five innings against anyone not named Jacob Degrom seems like the easiest bet in the world for any team. <laughs> this makes this is where I start to get the. What I mean, this Vegas is like know? she was just going through, going know? through, going through, and she found this and was like, "Oh, that looks really good. Somebody messed that up. We'll take that." First, uh, first five over half a run. So we're we're taking it, it is over the Cardinals. There. I mean, one of the most overrated Plus franchises on the in all of So I need to get with Megan uh, at Fanduel on how to avoid the action option showing up. Yeah. I can't place the bet. We I had to do two separate this. bets because it won't. Let Hutton me. and I never have this. Every out. time it comes up on certain games, action, and then it'll give both pitchers, or the, pitchers. or the bottom will say both pitchers. And I tried all four options. And it won't let you. It will not let me it. bet. It goes back to the action thing that pops up. Let's every examine time. this after we're off the air. Uh, I'm going to get with Megan. I think Megan will know. I think, or someone out there. Hutton and I never have this come up. I don't know. It's weird. I, I mean, I you think can it's a sign of my DMs. Let me know what I'm doing wrong. Let me know how to change the You can pick these when you're picking the bet. But once you go to the parlay thing, I've never seen it come up. Okay, so we're taking the Rays money line and the Cardinals in this the first five innings. This is there the it one. Is. There it is. Let's go. We're off Let's the snide. It's over. We Let's already get won. back on the win You can streak. play like these games have already been played right there. It's over. Done. I, I just want to take a moment. I know you guys don't care about European soccer, and I completely understand it. But you understand the feeling of your team winning a championship. And I get so invested well, in Chelsea. Well, that game's bigger than the Super Bowl. Over the wise. last three I mean, years. Viewer-wise. And this coach, Tuchel, has t- took over when they were in 10th place in the EPL, only on a tiebreaker. He led them to fourth place, which gets them in next year's Champions League. And into the Champions League final, where there were big dogs to Man City. And they beat Man City 1-0 on Saturday. And I haven't felt this joy in a long time. The Yankees haven't won since 2009. It was absolute thrill. They played tremendous defense, and he tactically completely outdid Pep Guardiola, who's seen as the best tactical manager there is. It, it's just a fantastic feeling. You forget how it feels when your team doesn't win forever, and uh, finally one of us has a team that won something. There we go. <laughs> uh, we haven't won a parlay. We haven't won anything. The Orioles are a little dry. Uh, we know that the— They're a little dry. We know that the— the Braves crispy. never win. The they uh, they, on a they need Dr. Hank. Uh, that's what the Orioles need. The <laughs> they balls, need Dr. Hank the back. The balls aren't winning. So, uh, well done, Chelsea. And I'm just talking more the about the The ball's the third overall national seed in NCAA tournament <laughs> baseball. And Vandy's four. Pretty good for the state yeah, of Tennessee. I don't know if the Vols go and win the uh, baseball national championship so, if you're going to have this feeling based on no, your feeling I, for baseball. No, he won't. I, I won't have that feeling. Um, three, I, I, I wish them well. I'm not going to have any feeling right. whatsoever. Um Three questions for you, soccer-related. Yeah. One, why the hell is that game on CBS and not NBC when every other English Premier League Well, they League have the English Premier League, but not the Champions League, which is a whole different deal. So, so Champions it League. was two English Premier League teams in the Champions okay. League. See, I assumed it was the EPL because it was two British yeah. teams playing and not no. another team. Um, two, the worst sound mixing in a pregame I've ever heard. I don't know why you had trouble because mine was perfectly it was, it was fine. good. No, I, I, I watched some of the game. The game was fine. It was during the pregame. You could not hear the announcers talking. Not, I'm not talking about the PA. I'm talking about the actual yeah. television broadcast. I wish, by the over way, over the noise in the crowd. I wish, by the way, it was on NBC because their analysis is way better than what we got on this game. Three, Three where do you fall on uh, Nashville Soccer Club touting Ooh. an undefeated season so far? As a big accomplishment. I mean, it's technically they t- correct. They had another when draw. You've got six draws and two wins. They had another draw this weekend where apparently they were down 2-0 and 
and came back to get a big draw against Atlanta. I think road. you're kind of suckering a non-soccer community into thinking that you're winning a lot when actually you're not losing a lot, which are not the same things. Also, I think it's really stupid for Nashville, for MLS, for anybody to schedule a soccer match, and I know it drew well and everything. When the Champions League final is going on, there should be no other soccer being played, period. You say bigger than the Super Bowl. This is a huge game. As an MLS, the MLS, you're saying you shouldn't yeah, schedule. Yeah, nobody should schedule soccer against this game. The right. soccer world should watch this game. Then go to a nightcap in America. It's an afternoon game. Play all the American soccer games at night and turn it into a doubleheader thing. You go to the pub, you watch the big European game, and then you go watch your American soccer. It makes no sense to have these things up against each other. Zero. And then I saw, wasn't it 40,000-plus uh, at Mercedes-Benz Stadium for that game. Yeah, somebody was touting what a big deal it was that they had more than the, the Champions League game, as if that was by choice of people in Europe who didn't want to go to Porto, Portugal, to see Man City and Chelsea. Yeah, they would have been there, there were, if they there could were have crowd been. restrictions. You're yeah. yeah, yeah. So they had 40,000 to watch Atlanta and Nashville? Yeah, Atlanta yeah. draws. And Nashville well. came, they were down, what, 2-1? 2 nothing. 2 nil. Down 2-0 yeah. and came back to tie it within the final 10 minutes or something. Am I reading that right? I'm I, unfamiliar because I was I, watching the most important soccer I didn't game watch in the either, world. But I didn't watch either, but I, I did, I I did my, read on the local team. I get my soccer info from Twitter and poll. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's it. I know on tw Twitter was I mean, that, going that's, crazy because I mean, I a lot guess, of people saying this. I, I'm sorry. People have a problem with them saying they're undefeated. This is a win. This feels no, like not. a win. It's, it's not, not a, like a win, like a win but ties. it's a draw. It's not a win, but it's, I mean, it, it's... Um, a good comeback for a draw. You, in my mind, it's not if you lose, it's how you lose. That, like, that, it, it's not a win for Nashville. It feels that, like, that a, feels loss like a loss Atlanta. for Atlanta. Yes, exactly. And, Put and it that, that way. And the they way they gave that up on, on, as the, vi com, coming back to win, or to tie, the, tie. the game, to, and, and to do it in the, in the last few minutes of that game, had to be... Really exciting if you're a Nashville fan. Sure. But I, I, I wonder what it sounded like in that venue with 40,000. Um, it's a terrible as result As Nashville comes back to tie it. Well, terrible I'm trying to find the Atlanta. exact attendance. 40,748. That's really impressive. That's awesome. Uh, really impressive. Atlanta United is now 2-1-4. and four. So. Defeated. They're defeated, <laughs> though. They're defeated. They are defeated. Um, shout out the game in hand. on the way out. Shout out to the Carolina Panthers. We like good behind the scenes access nowadays. It's hard to find, uh, even if this is the state-run aspect of CarolinaPanthers.com. They uh, they allow cameras in to a negotiation on speakerphone with their general manager and uh, one of their salary cap guys, and on this. It is a negotiation with agent Eric Burkhart, who's on the phone, negotiating a deal for his tight end, Dan Arnold. And while you don't hear the actual framework of the, the contract agreed to, they hang up and agree to get back with each other after both sides think about offers on the table. And you hear them go back and forth. And Burkhart, the agent, sounds like Jerry Maguire. I mean, it, it is... When, when you hear him, like that's just not enough for a guy who's – he starts spouting off all these stats. He's the second-leading receiver on the Arizona Cardinals last year at tight end. Dan Arnold, who they were trying to sign. I think, I think Carolina offered two years $5 million. He ends up getting – or two years $4 million. He ends up getting two years $6 million is what he actually signed for. 
you don't get that behind the scenes aspect right. of agreeing to the deal, but they post the act the first call where they pick up the phone and say, "Hey, we're, we're interested in bringing in Arnold. What do you got? Here's our offer." And then you hear the back and forth. It's That's three awesome. four minutes. Hutton, you've I haven't me seen to watch that. The video. I haven't seen that before. Uh, we'll tweet it out from Outkick three hundred and sixty. Uh, love it. I, I, I want more content like that instead of, oh, let's take you behind the scenes as Taylor Lewan visits the Nashville Zoo. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, I, I want more X's and O's, and I, I want more behind the scenes access and negotiate big decisions than here's the pet monkey that uh, the family saw this, this I understand uh, Denver has something really good out, too, with George Monkey's Payton. Monkey's so cute, though. Maybe still draft stuff. Yeah, listen, if you like this sort of stuff, pick a second team. Because you're not getting it from your home team if you're a Titans fan. You're just not. When you say Jerry Maguire, all I think of is Bob Sugar is a child. But <laughs> 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 making the argument for non is Sugar and is I a only child. Use, I only use the one thing because that's what's out today. But the no, pan- they had Amani Hooker mic'd up for a practice. Okay. Woo! Well, I mean, I, I'm here well, for I mean, he's the biggest name that was there. Is it, so, ed, is it edited down like this? I haven't looked. I don't know because I don't watch it because I know it's not This good. requires access both from the team and the agent, which I appreciate, yeah. right? Right. Anyway, I wanted to, I wanted to shout out the we're Panthers. Gonna, we're going to tweet it out. Hey, also, uh, follow us on YouTube. Subscribe to that channel. Follow us on Instagram. You might see things like uh, Jacob Swanson's takeover. All forms of social media, Outkick360. Please and thank you. Oh, and, look at uh, the time. We had a good crowd in YouTube today, but I want to say, if you don't know that Michael Pruitt's not on the Titans, you could expect wrath from other people in there, including me. That's right. Like you say, hey, we're okay with Michael Pruitt in that role. Michael Pruitt's not on the team, so you're not okay with here's him in that a, here's role. Here's a lesson on this show. Learn take your, take your L. Take your L. When it's time to take your L, just take your L and move on. There are you no say ties. something stupid, you're going to take your L. We've all taken L's. On this show, it happens from time to time. We're not going to take as many L's as you. We know the roster. But it may happen. Also, win the mantra of the show. Paul, look into that camera and let the masses know. Don't block the box. Like this sign back here says. Hear that sign? That's a solid sign. That's not paper. (laughs) Lock the locks, too. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.